behind their parted blinds, and sprinklers ran at night on lawns visited only by the Mexicans who mowed them. When his mother left her darkened bedroom long enough to chase him outside, Joe took the Saturday evening post to a pool in a nearby park and watched the girls oil each other and shriek when loitering bravos splashed water on them. He lay on his stomach and stared at the post and lived his ghost life with Mary Claude. After Joe started school, his mother took an accounting job at an office furniture store. A few months later, she and another woman formed a partnership and bought the owner out. Joe's mother began to dress smartly. She wore her hair straight instead of piled up on her head and let a gray streak show through. One night at dinner, she said, Joe! so insistently that he realized she'd been speaking to him without his knowing it, and when he looked at her, she said, You can't bring him back, son. You have to let him go. Joe was embarrassed at the depth of her misunderstanding, but he played along and let her think she'd read his mind. The high school was new and bright and vast. In the echoing hallways, the voices of the students mingled in a roar that Joe came to hear as an aspect of the silence in which he passed his days. He sometimes went home without having spoken a word to anyone. It seemed to him that he might go through the whole year that way, and the next year, too, until he graduated. But before long, he became friends with his biology lab partner who took him to parties and introduced him to girls. When Joe got his driver's license that spring, he began dating Carla. He aced his courses and played Officer Krupke in West Side Story. In the fall of his senior year, he and Carla left a dance early and went to a motel. It was the first time for both of them, and a failure. They tried again a few days later in Carla's bedroom and had better luck. And by Christmas, Joe was starting to see Courtney on the sly. He didn't really prefer her, but it seemed inevitable that sooner or later either he or Carla would be unfaithful, and he wanted to be the one. This became far more complicated than he'd expected. Joe was soon exposed and denounced by both girls as a heartless cheat, which did not, it turned out, entirely discourage other girls from going out with him. And through all this he continued his phantom life with Mary Claude. He was with her on a blanket in a moonlit clearing, or in a car parked above the river with Ray Charles on the radio, her fingertips grazing the back of his neck, her mouth open to his, her caramel taste on his lips and tongue and deep in his throat. Only the kiss was a memory. Only the kiss was real. He'd hardly been anywhere with Mary Claude, except when they could sneak off at school and a few times in town. But from the kiss, he made everything else, or everything else made itself, for that was how it happened. Without any effort of imagination or sense of unreality, he watched his life with Mary Claude go on, as he had once believed it would. The scenes grew more particular as time passed, each new one framed by those that had gone before, and always with a kiss at the heart of it. At Berkeley, Joe went out with Lauren, and when she left for a year at the Sorbonne, there was Tony, then Candace. He and Candace shared a house with two other couples until they graduated, and afterward rented an apartment of their own through Joe's first year of medical school— Then Candace went to New York to visit her family and never came back. 
She sent Joe a letter in which she asked his forgiveness for the problems she'd caused through her alcoholism, which she was now in the process of confronting. She said she couldn't return to the life she'd led in Berkeley, as he surely understood. No, Joe didn't understand. They'd had their troubles, the two of them. He'd been going all out, and so had Candace, waitressing nights as she worked toward a degree in dance therapy. Of course there were problems, but nothing all that serious, and he certainly didn't begrudge her a little relaxation. Yet when Joe's mother heard about Candace leaving, the first thing she said was that she hoped she'd get some help for her drinking. Joe hadn't mentioned the letter. Until he finished his training and met the woman he would marry, Joe had no more love affairs, just occasional sessions with women working too hard themselves to want much more of him. The practicality of these arrangements gave the whole enterprise a starkly biological cast, which made Joe nervously conscious of his masculine...